the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Appreciate it. This is the Total Financial Hour, talking about your family's finances. Of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, trying to create a financial life that uh, through uh, to and through retirement. Remember, the Tom Hania is an author and, and a speaker. Somebody actually I quite admire. I've had him on my show a couple of times. He has a book that's called Paychecks to Playchecks. Right, a lot of people will work just to. Uh, pay their bills, but then when you retire, you're not working anymore, but the money that you thought you needed is the same money that comes in to pay your bills. So you're thinking, okay, my bills are paid. I can now retire with whatever it is, pension, retirement money, uh, you know, income, social security, whatever it might be, right? You have enough things where you think you can pay your bill, but you don't have the time occupied anymore. Right, The reason that you need play checks, the reason you need something to do is very simple. The time you have, you have to have the time available to do something, and now you do, except you don't have the money to do it. Right, Because retirement isn't just about, and we're able to get by. All right, I finally hit the place where I'm at zero. You know, Not any debt, not any, any fun. We're just existing. Well, that's not the case, right? Retirement is about more than just sitting there and trying to get to a place of just existing and paying your, your food, shelter, clothing. So there's something called play checks. And, and I'm going to get into that in just a little bit here. But I want you to understand the reason I think Tom is a great guy is because he understands through his experience, which believe it or not, most financial professionals, if you're in any industry for a period of time, you tend to be pretty good at it. You, you know the shortcuts, you know where you can't shortcut, you know what the rules are, you know how to um, optimize the end result, the product. I share that with you as we recently encountered somebody. In fact, it was just this last week. And uh, he said he was a financial professional for many years, 38 years. I think he said 38, 38 or 36 years. And he said, uh, our company doesn't allow us to do a transfer from one retirement account to another. That's what he was saying about his firm. I said, well, first of all, it's, it's one of the larger banks. I, I said, are you kidding me? He said, oh, no, no, no. We just don't have that ability. We can't do that. I said, you've got to be kidding. Of course you can. Everybody can. It's a normal part of our business. So in the end, he didn't know that something was possible that we actually do many times a week. And so here is somebody with over 30 years experience in the industry, except the depth of knowledge, at least in the area of something that's as simple as you know, transferring or rolling over somebody's accounts, he had no clue how to do that. Now, that's a problem because you could have tripped and falled over 30 years and have transferred 250 accounts or filled out the paperwork 250 times. I mean, this isn't, it isn't, um, you know, a surprise that that's part of our job is to review what accounts you want to keep in certain places, roll over, transfer, kind of build a, a repertoire of diversification in your accounts. That's what every decent financial professional should at least consider. And so time in an industry is not necessarily just in and of itself an example of competency. It should be, but it always uh, can come with a caveat. Okay, that is important you understand that because when you're talking about the purpose of money, the job of money, it's often the person you speak with that will say, hey, listen, I'm a hammer. All money is a nail. So all dollars should be in the exact same place for the exact same job. 
And you know, your gut instinct tells you that's probably not accurate. There's probably something wrong with that story because you would never put all of your eggs in one basket. You would never say, I want everything to, um, you know, be set aside in a, in, in a volatile stock market account where just this last couple of weeks, if you just took that into play, right, we've gone up and down, up and down and done all sorts of crazy things in the market. By the time it's done, you're thinking, does this make any sense? Right? The only person who's won at the end of the story is the broker or the financial professional. They charge you a fee whether I make money or whether I lose money. You know, you could lose a certain percentage, 10, 20, 30% people have lost. And the broker still gets their fee. So I, I ask you, you're spending money on something. What are you spending money on? What are you buying in return? So if the purpose of your retirement account is to be a retirement account, meaning it's to grow and it's to become income for you at a later date, how long do you plan on staying retired? Once, one day, one week, or for the rest of your life or your spouse's life, right? A lot of people forget that the reason that we retire is to enjoy life. And that's what those play checks are all about. It's kind of interesting to think of it that way, but, it, but it's quite fascinating when you think, what is it going to take to enjoy life when you retire? Okay, that's important process. So what is the purpose of money? Now, you might say to buy nice things. Well, for some people it is. But every dollar has a job to do. For example, the dollars that are tied up in the equity in your home, even if your home is paid off, is that designed to pay for dinner tomorrow night? Probably not. Is it designed to give you uh, you know, a new car next week? It better not because it's in your house. So in other words, home money is to fix, maintain, and to secure your home. But you don't use your retirement account to pay for your child's college. You don't use your retirement account to, uh, you know, pay for your dinner tomorrow night. All of those accounts have a job to do. So what we do is we focus on the place of the money to match the job of the money. Okay, let's be clear now. Money in your purse, in your pocket, that's for dinner, lunch, immediate expenditures. It isn't to make massive amounts of rates of return. It isn't to give you a tax deferral. Those are different jobs. So why are poor people poor? Well, I guess that debate can go on forever. If you take a look at the Bible, it says that it, there will always be poor people. That was very disheartening for me when we were starting a charity many years ago. And I looked at it and I said, how do you, how do you create an opportunity so that nobody will be poor again? And it's funny how it says there will always be poor people. I think because there will always be people that make certain decisions. Now, sometimes it's of no fault of their own. You can go to the extreme and you could say, there are poor people in the United States. So if you make a dollar a day, it's going to be tough to get by. If you make a million dollars a day, it's going to be tough to screw that up. Okay, so forget the margins for a minute, right? How you feel good about your position is when you use an extreme, right? You say, honey, you always leave the dishes out. And he goes, no, no, remember that one time I didn't? It doesn't mean you don't leave the dishes out. It just means you can cite one time you didn't. That's the same thing. You don't say, oh, well, well, here's how we fix poor people. We take from rich people and we give it to poor people. In the United States, to be broke, to be poor, and I'm not talking about the first 10 minutes of an immigrant coming to this country, right? You understand, you grow up in a middle class, even if a single parent home, the way to avoid being broke, being poor, is very straightforward. You spend less than you make. You save and invest no matter what. You always understand that hard work over time prevails. You always understand that, you un that, that if you want something, that you're going to spend money on something, the first place you spend money, I don't mean food, shelter, clothing. But the first place that you spend money is on something that goes up in value, not a car. We need a car. 
but you can pick the nicest car ever. 15 minutes after driving it off the lot, it goes down in value. So you understand that you're going to buy things that you need, food, shelter, clothing, transportation, insurance. You can add a few things into there. But poor people are poor because they say, I finally have enough money, I got a tax refund. I finally have enough money, I have an inheritance. I finally got more money because I got a pay raise. And they take that money and they buy things that go down in value. If you took your money that you got back in a tax return and you saved it every single year going back to 18 years old, do you think you wouldn't have investment properties? Do you think you wouldn't have a a financial portfolio of, of a substantial amount in your retirement accounts maybe? Probably. Do you think you wouldn't have or at least be debt free? But instead, what people do is they assign values to money, a purpose to money that is not appropriate. Here's a good example. When I mentioned having uh, taking money from your retirement account to pay for your child's college, that, it, that does not make any financial sense, zero. You can't convince me. I can show you charts, graphs, whiteboard, PowerPoint, calculators. I'll show you why it makes zero sense. But doesn't it, does it mean that in the next 12 months, there isn't going to be millions of people or certainly hundreds of thousands that will still do that? Because they're not driven by a calculator or whiteboard or PowerPoint. You're driven by guilt. Guilt because you left their, their father or their mother. Guilt because you had to work two jobs and you felt like you weren't there. So you're going to make it up. You can't buy them the Game Boy anymore. You can't buy them the new fanciest iPhone anymore. So now... This guilt, which, by the way, never ends, just so you know. Unless you resolve it, you're never going to buy your way out of this guilt. You're never going to buy your way out of feeling bad that you you cheated on their dad, their your husband, your wife, and, and you left. You can ask for forgiveness, and you move on. Oh, if it's so easy to say that. I know it is. I know. I'm just a math and logic kind of a guy. But when you add emotion to those whiteboards, calculators, what do you get? Well, you get people wanting to spend money because they feel like it. When Biden had his uh, recent press conference, disaster, by the way, instead of addressing the real issues that you and I care about, instead of being a real human being, he decided he was just going to be somebody who, who went through life and didn't pay attention to reality that, that there's a supply chain issue because you pay people to stay home. And when you pay people to stay home, I have to pay people more money to come to work, which means guess what happens to the prices of goods and services? They go up. And then when you stop the production of oil on BLM, which is uh, uh, the Bureau of Land Management and other federal lands, I'm not talking about Indian reservations. I'm not talking about private land. But U.S. federal government land, when he stops that production, surprise, gas prices go up. I mean, you realize that this is all intentional. And if it isn't, he's highly incompetent. Either way, it is not a good story for the United States nationally or internationally. But what does he do? He uses feelings and emotions. You know... We've been a racist country against black people. Yep. And Hispanics. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. Remember Irish? Irish need not apply. Oh, yeah. Well, how about Arabs? Oh, yeah. Or Persians. Right. 1979. Remember? Oh, you could have been a third generation Persian here in the United States. Had a, had a Persian name. Oh, let our hostages go. Used to see those billboards everywhere. How about one of my uncle's restaurants, right? Uh, spray painted, F.U. Arabs go home during the Gulf War. Oh, but it's not systemic. Ah, okay, okay, I gotcha. Which means it's built into the system. Got it. Okay, so Frederick Douglass, Jesse Owens. Oh, gosh, who's the guy that created black entertainment television? You know who he is. Johnson, if I don't remember, if I remember right. Yeah, billionaires, millionaires. Michael ja- uh, Michael Johnson, uh, Michael uh, Jordan, Magic Johnson. 
Bill Cosby, Oprah Winfrey. In fact, at one time in the United States, the top 10 wealthiest Americans, five of them were black. Oprah. So you can't tell me. Well, yeah, okay, listen, I'm going to go to the extreme. Arif, there's, there's this town in Alabama. There's this town in Central Valley of, of California. You're right. You're right. It stinks. Yeah. And math, one plus one is still two. You can't take from one side and say we're doing this because your great-grandfather made a mistake or did something wrong. We're going to take from you so that we can give it to this guy who's never met his great-grandfather who was the wronged party in the story. I, I don't know. Don't get, listen, don't give me something for something I can't control. I can't control I'm male. I can't control I'm 5'7 on a good day. <laughs> I can't control I'm losing my hair. I can't control how old I am. I can't control those things. So don't give me something for something I can't control. But guess what? I don't want you taking something from me. Don't take something from me for something I can't control. That I'm a male, that I'm half Lebanese. That you, Don't. Don't take it. I didn't do it. I couldn't control it. It's not my choice. God created those things. Now, let's see my choices. Let's see how I act. Let's see what I do. Let's see how I make the decisions I make. Let's see the consistency of my character. Oh, now. You hold that position, you're considered a racist. Because you're not considering race, you must be a racist. How, how do you guys allow these people to do this? Oh, because I don't want them to feel bad. Go back to logic. One plus one is two. We're going to take more from your retirement account, not because of math, but because of feelings. Do you not understand some of this craziness? Eventually, it's going to come to a boiling point because they're removing statues of Theodore Roosevelt. They're removing statues of our founding fathers and of the men and women that have supported this United States. To give more black Americans an opportunity than any place else in the world. Try to be a, a black a British citizen or a French citizen or a Belgian or a German or Australian, right? Or Canadian. You really think they have an opportunity greater than the United States? You're nuts. But the more they can tell you that math is feelings, right? That's why they tried that, you know, silly math that allowed them to not, that, that if you said one plus one is two and it's just the only answer, well, you must be racist. Or remember Ebonics, when that came along, they said, oh, well, you know, Ebonics, you can't say that there's a proper way to speak English because this is the black vernacular from the inner city or the south or, and they come up with this grandiose cultural th okay listen I'm just telling you there's a way to say a particular English sentence says Webster and my college English professor the purpose of your money determines the place of your money regardless of your emotional state why don't you use your retirement account for college because the government says if you do we're going to penalize you we're going to tax you we're going to fee you and then later on in life because just general math principles say it's not there to compound, you don't have any more money for retirement. And by the way, the education system, there's a, a half a dozen ways to get your college education without student loans of any substantial amount, maybe five or 10,000 you might have to do for circumstances. But something that can be paid off quickly. You say, well, Arif, how do you do that? It's very straightforward, guys, really. I mean, let's think about it for a minute. Uh, it's called community college. It's called taking college classes while you're in high school. And they count for the AP type credit, meaning you get a little bit of a bump. It's an honors class. So instead of a B, it's an A. Instead of a 4.0, you have a chance of getting a 5.0 without taking the AP test. That's what my kids did. From the ages of 14 or 15, maybe today I think you got to be 16 or something. But you can take online courses. You can go to a community college. And you get, maybe it's one semester or half a semester. My kids got an associate's degree about the same time or even a little bit before than they earned their high school diploma. So they're 16, 17 years old with an AA. 19 with the bachelor's. 
So when it came to private school or to four-year university or wherever you choose to send your child, the last two years, that's the school. You say, oh, but Arif, my daughter got a scholarship. Well, because four-year universities are competing with free community colleges, basically free, they have to reduce the first two years of their school, meaning the general ed that they get, that they provide to you, is simple. Oh, yeah, we'll give you a two-year scholarship. Look what happens two years and 10 minutes into your, quote, scholarship. Sorry, no more money. All of the other options are removed. You have to attend that school. Otherwise, they're not going to count certain classes. Otherwise, you have to repeat certain uh, courses. So now they have you. Now they kind of have you locked in there and you can't leave. Or you got to start over for a half a semester or a semester. So finish your last two years, fine. Maybe it takes three years to do the last two years. Guess what? You're going to work during the summer. You're going to work on the weekends. And you can pay for your school. You can work on campus. You get a big credit for that. So by the time you're done with the four-year education, what does it say on your diploma? It says the name of the last school you attended, where you graduated from. Not the two or three community colleges you had to hopscotch around to get certain courses. Not the two or three other uh, ways that you received credit towards those classes. Now you're not stuck. You're not married to that federal system. Because what's the purpose of your Social Security money? It's to give you income when you retire. A great lifestyle. Maybe not. But if you don't take care of student loans the right way, if you, if you have student loans and you forget to pay or don't pay, or the Parent PLUS loans and you don't pay, the job of that Social Security check to give you a retirement account uh, uh, income is now garnished. The U.S. government, the IRS, now garnishes your Social Security check if you do not pay your student loans or the, your parents' student loans. That's important you know that because the purpose of your Social Security check was to give you an income stream. It usually covers maybe 20 to, to 30% of your income. It isn't going to give you everything. But when you have hundreds of dollars of it or more, the wages garnished in your Social Security check so that you can have something very simple, which is the ability to live. Now, what you don't want to do, ready for this? You don't want to not pay it because there is virtually no way to discharge student loan debt and bankruptcy. So the purpose of your retirement account is for bits and pieces, for an income stream, for a payment that never ends. It isn't to get a 17% rate of return or to double in the next five years. It isn't to decide that you want to flip your money into something that's incredibly growth-oriented and, and maybe you, you helped start the next startup. If the job of the money is to provide income for the rest of your life and your spouse's life, then a rate of return between 0 and 10, maybe 0 and 15%, realistically, the average is somewhere in the neighborhood of, oh, I don't know, 3 to 6, let's say, maybe 3 to 8. So some years, one, two, nine, four, six. But the average over a 10-year period of time is going to fall between a three and a six, three and an eight percent. If you're okay with that, then you may not want to take that kind of chance. You may not want to take that kind of risk. You might say, I'm not willing to take retirement money that has the job of an income stream and put it on red at the casino. Here's another mistake that we see a lot of people use. They take their home equity and they use it to pay off past credit card debt. And there's a, look, there's a math formula you can use where you go through the formula and you say, uh, let's pay attention because the interest I'm paying and I'm going to double down on the payments. And I get it. There's a lot of ways to make things work. The problem is, did you change your habits? Because credit card debt occurred not because of a tsunami that happened or, uh, you know, a strike by an asteroid. It happened in a very simple reason, because of your habits. 
Well, Arif, coronavirus, it ate my homework. I get it. We're going to blame it for everything. The pandemic. Go back and talk about it in real terms. It's the reaction to the pandemic that created a problem, not the pandemic. We've had flus like this, some a lot worse in generations past. So the reaction to the pandemic may have caused you to lose your job. But if you go before that, your inability to save and put aside and set aside money for emergencies caused you to go into debt. Let's be real. Stay with me as we continue. Let me give you the number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Stay with me. We'll be right back on the Total Financial Hour. I'm Arif Halaby. We'll be right back. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Arab Halaby. We're talking about your family's finances. Let me get to, into the phone number again. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight eight eight. Nine nine seven, three eight four seven. Okay, we're talking about uh, a couple of things. The purpose of money. I want to transition though into where people are moving in retirement. What does that look like? And I'm going to share something with you. In 26 years of of official business, right? I was an investor for 10 years prior, but 26 years as a as a financial professional. This is the first time in the last I'd say three years, where anywhere between 80 and 100 percent of my clients that retire, leave the state. That has never happened before. It has always been, oh, you know, my daughter has a job in Seattle or my son has the only grandkids and he's in Denver, so we're going to move there. That's been the norm. We've had people that said, oh, I got transferred out to California, you know, in 1974 for my job and now that I'm retired, I'm going back to Indiana. Okay, those things have happened, of course. But they've been for a reason, usually family of one sort or another. But this is the first time we have seen people leaving for economic reasons, meaning their goal is to not leave to go see family. Their goal is to leave for some for simple economics, for math. So where does this leave you if you're going to stay behind? Well, there, there's a psychological thing that happens as people start leaving and your friends, either from church or from uh, you know, your neighborhood or your family suddenly, oh, we, we bought a house in Tennessee. We bought a house in Texas or Henderson or Boise. As this starts to happen, there is a little bit of a, of a I don't want to be left out feeling. There's a little bit of a me too. There's even a little bit of a change of focus. Meaning you start seeing the glasses half empty, not half full. So I want to give a balance to this. And to be clear, at the end of the day, I'm still in favor of you doing what's right for you and your family. I'm still in favor of not supporting the fascist regime of California, right? Where they make you wear a mask and you have to kind of always remember, except for, except for the elites, right? Th- those kinds of things we'll get to in a minute. But, but that's really where, where you support if you stay in California with your financial dollars. You spend money here. You pay taxes here. You support these crazies. So here's a a balance to it. So what is the one thing that you deal with every single day? Is it your family? Probably not, right? Your kids live there. They don't, you don't talk to them every single minute of every single day. Certainly you don't visit them all the time. Most people anyway. Taxes? No, I mean, they're there, but you're not feeling it until you go to buy something big or you pay your property taxes. Yeah, you feel it. It's the weather. The weather you deal with every day. In fact, it decides what you're going to wear, when you're going to leave. It decides how you're going to 
do certain events, certain things, outdoor activities, indoor activities. It decides a lot about your day. In fact, you don't even know it, but it does for most people. And so that is part of the transition of a lot of people saying, well, you know, I'm going to stay in California. The taxes are worth it. I'm going to stay in California. Uh, the, the crazy people, the, they're worth it because of the weather. It certainly can be. But everybody has a boiling point. You remember the story about the frog? You probably heard that, right? You put a frog in boiling water, he jumps right back out. But if you slowly increase the temperature, the frog ultimately just boils to death. In other words, he doesn't notice a very small change that is regulated, that is a regular, systematic, eh, one or two degrees every so often, right? You don't notice until one day the water is boiling how crazy the school and the education system. When the city of Dallas, Texas has the wildest education system, right? The, the weird textbooks, the, the weird stuff that comes out of the Dallas school board. When you don't realize that even Christian colleges have university professors that are progressive and woke and even speak against the nature of the school. Right? There's two out of three of the more popular Christian schools in Southern California that don't even seem like they're a Christian school. It's a socialist school. It's more in line with the, the Pope's you know, socialist agenda or AOC's socialist agenda. What's the difference between a couple of those schools and, oh, I don't know, UCLA? Nothing. Right? So the, the crazies have infiltrated your church. We were sitting in service the other day and there was a, one of the junior pastors there. Of course, he's probably 31 or two or four or something. I'm hearing him speak. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? I don't know where in the Bible it says social justice. What the heck are you talking? Income inequality. What do you mean? How about get up off your butt inequality? How about work hard inequality? <laughs> How about your lazy fanny thinks it's okay to work only one job eight hours a day because the government says eight hours a day inequality right? I worked two jobs. Why? Because I didn't graduate from an Ivy League school and I didn't have a father with the last name of Trump or Buffett or Gates, right? So that means I had to work a little harder so that my kids can have a last name of Hallaby and maybe get a little bit of a, a further head start. I stood on my dad's shoulders. He stood on his father's shoulders. And now my kids get to stand on mine. But it's not because, oh, I'm going to sit around and watch TV it's not because I'm going to sit around and, and play video games or surf the net. No, no, no. It's because I worked two and three jobs because I used to sleep in my car because that was the best way to get a little bit extra sleep. You see, part of what you don't understand is this, quote, income inequality that's being preached from the Christian schools and the, and the churches and the pastors is because they don't understand economics. Certainly not conservative values. So when you start to see the shift that's changing and it's kind of going through, it's coming from the education system, the first grade to the third grade to the eighth grade. So when a parent says, hey, wait a second, why are you sending this baloney home, uh, this worksheet? Or the reaction to the pandemic meant a lot of kids worked from home and parents had a chance to look over their kids' shoulders and watch what's happening on these video conference Zoom calls. And you go, whoa, 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 what are you... What are you teaching my kid again? I think there should be an absolute push. And I think you guys should do a sit-in at every single elementary, junior high, and high school that there absolutely must be cameras with audio in the classroom. Period. Done. End of story. If you're a parent, you get the login. Double, verified, encrypted. Okay, you can do whatever you want. Well, it could be hacked. Well, then triple and encrypted. I don't know. And you get in and you listen to what, so you can pop in and out. And the teacher doesn't need to know if six people are watching or 17 or one or zero. It allows the school principal to not have to go class to class and make their presence known to modify the behavior, the words of the teacher. But instead allows the teacher, listen, 
If you think a police officer needs to have a, a body cam, then 100% the impact five days a week, six, seven hours a day in an elementary school, the impact in the life of a person that that teacher has is much greater than the 25 minutes of you getting a traffic ticket. Right? I mean, I mean police don't shoot people uh, like the left wants to claim. So remove that extreme argument off the table. Oh, what if they shoot people? Listen, it just doesn't happen. Right? There's millions of encounters every day. Millions. When you add every single officer in every single state and every single county and every single city. And they're not killing people. It's crazy. Just like you would say, oh, but Arif, you know, the cameras, right? The guy on the other side, the half full guy or half empty. Oh, the cameras are going to be there to protect the teacher from molesting junior during uh, recess. Okay, yep. That doesn't happen. There's millions of encounters with teachers and students every day. And yes, there are some crazies that do the, and we, we want to put them in jail or, or drop them, drop them off at the local whatever, you know. All right. So I want you to start doing that. Because the slow impact, this, this dripping and dripping of our education system, it has now gone to the extreme. We need to have cameras in every single classroom with audio. Maybe two cameras, right? Front and back or something like that. We can hear and see what the teacher's doing, see who's coming and going. Hear what lesson plans they're doing. It allows you as a parent, certainly a single parent, Right, I was fortunate that when my kids were in school when they were much younger, my wife or I would be able to be a, the room parent. Once a week, once every couple of weeks, we would all take turns and be the reading dad. And then ultimately in kindergarten and in first grade, I believe, I was the math dad and the reading dad. So I would go in every Tuesday for an hour or something, help the kids with math, flashcards, that kind of stuff. Right, well, when you're a single parent, you can't do that. It's hard. Because somebody has to be working. Well, this still allows the parent to be involved in some form or fashion. And I think there needs to be a push across the country. Listen, all the federal government money that was given, all this COVID stimulus, whatever that was given, let's hear what the teachers are teaching. We now know that there's, there's certainly a reason to have a camera in the classroom. Because the slow dripping. So let's move on to this area that I think is pretty important. And it's that are people leaving California. But remember, if you're going to leave to another city or state, the school boards have been dripping into this woke world for a very long time. So the school boards in Boise, Idaho, believe it or not, are more liberal in some cases than most Californian. The school boards in Dallas and Houston and Austin are beyond crazy. Miami. Some of these school boards guys are far left progressives. Loudoun County, Virginia is just one that's recently hit the right hit hit the news, but it doesn't mean that it's the only one. So where I'm saying is if you're going to move your family and you're still in the in the child raising or the grandchildren raising ages, then make sure that there's some accountability. Volunteer. Be the room mom. Be the room dad. Be a part of that school board because that is where they are changing the fabric of our country. Because if a 31-year-old pastor at my church can speak as if he's from Che Guevara's social justice AOC you know, university, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? So I want you to pay attention because it isn't like it used to be. Where you would say, oh, conservative state, conservative city must be a conservative school. Nope, not anymore. Oh, religious school like uh, the Jesuits in Boston. Nope, doesn't matter anymore. Far left. Conservative school, Notre Dame. Nope, not anymore. So be careful about what you think is normal. So that when you move, now you might say, listen, I'm going to move and I'm retired. I, I don't have children. My kids are grown. It's not an issue for me. Great. I'm not worried about that. Here's why I am worried. Is you're now going to be in a position to pay taxes to a system that is going to support that. So I want you to be a part of that system. I want you 
to be a part of that organization that says, how do I make sure that my money is not going to the crazies? You're going to have to get involved because not everybody can be involved. And if you're retired and you have the income, you have the reliable retirement income, then I think it's a good idea for you to spend some of your time involved in the uh, education system. Look, maybe you have a degree. Maybe your career path was marketing and now it's time to get into the high school marketing class. And maybe you teach, maybe you have a program, maybe once a week, maybe you mentor some people. It's a way for you to continue the values that you hold so dear as you transition. Now you might say, listen, if I'm going to stay in California, it's the weather. You talked about the weather, that's it. That's it. My weakness is the weather. Fantastic. Volunteer in California. Volunteer at the school that is, that's your old school, the cl- school that's close to you. Volunteer at a place where you can make a difference. Because where we see most people make a mistake is they actually believe that just by paying their bills and maybe the teacher is conservative or at least an American that holds American values, that the edicts that come down from high, whether it's the school board or the principal or the assistant principal, and this push towards social justice or social or income inequality, I want you to know none of that is real. Oh, no, no, no. There, there is such thing as somebody making a lot less money for doing a lot more work. That's true. But this push for income inequality is a joke. Because when uh, two professors from a big university in Southern California came to my office and one taught in female gender studies based on race or something, some, and another one is the diversity uh, czar of some sort, and they sit down in my office and their income, ready for this, their income because they also owned a business was nearly a million dollars a year just from the university itself. They were between uh, 180 and 200,000 each, each. That's nearly a half a million dollars. By the time they were done with benefits to teach at a public institution. They're not, they're not inventing the next Manhattan Project. They're not you know, solving world hunger. It's a negative. It's a drawdown on the revenue sources for the math department or the history or the English or the, the medical school or whatever it is that, that could create and build. Instead, these are people that just have titles and because of a race or a gender, it's okay. It's okay that a half a million dollars of income, taxpayer money is gone. I couldn't understand it. I thought, wait a second. And then, of course, the business generates, uh, right, because you get favor, favored uh, treatment because you're minority-owned business. So you get first in line. So now everybody's doing this, uh, right, symbolism over substance. You t- heard me talk appearances. So people will have their wife be 51% owner, and they're going to be 49% owner. So see, we're a women-owned business. Right, or they put down that I'm American Indian. Okay, where? I don't know, ask, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, yeah. Right, she cheated. She stole that money from, from the university by claiming to be, quote, an American Indian. No apology, no payback, no sending the money back to the university. Uh-uh. No such thing as income inequality. Now, on the extremes, yes, there is on the extremes. But for most Americans, it isn't, doesn't exist. There's get off, you know, get up off your butt inequality. There's, hi, let's work two jobs inequality. Hi, let's create wealth so that others can have a chance inequality. But there's very few people that are willing to work hard, willing to work for a decade, willing to go to school and get better, continuing education or another degree willing to do that job interview even though they're afraid to fail, willing to take that extra test even though you're afraid, ready, to fail. All of you 
are exactly where you want to be, financially speaking. No, Eric, I, I want to be a millionaire. Okay, great. And what have you done to equal your wants? Well, you know, it's hard because I twisted my ankle. Okay, well, listen, I've, we can compare medical histories later. But somebody's counting on you, even if it's just you. It doesn't have to be your wife and kids. So when we are thinking about this as, an, as a chance, your retirement could be the moment in time when you start making that difference because your food, shelter, clothing comes from your accounts. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. It's the best way to get a hold of us. 888-99-RETIRE. So as you are thinking about this process, about what is your passion, for a lot of you, it's music. You know, I can't even, well, I, I take that back. I can play uh, heart and soul with one finger on, on the piano. But I have to have my wife do the, the many finger parts. I don't even know how to pronounce this stuff. So I don't have a music bone in my body, if you haven't figured that out. I mean, I can certainly sing great in the shower if it's just myself. But when it comes to music, if that is your forte, if you are an expert in that area and people can learn something from you, maybe that's what you do. Music has saved a lot of young people from hardship and trouble because it's kept them off the streets. It's kept them off of video games. It's kept them off the troubled path of drugs or, or being bored. So I want you to have an opportunity to do what you love and to teach others. You may not in the end do it every single day. Not everybody does. But you can certainly be somebody who does it once a week or for four weeks in a row. That can be something that ultimately changes your life. Because I think you and your family need to look at a couple of things. And one of those is this. How do you create a difference in this world? How? Because nobody else is going to care about you. I mean, you figured that out, right? If you haven't figured that out yet, then you're not four years old. You're going to have to count on yourself. You're going to have to make it so that you and your family and everybody else works real hard to get you something in life. And ready for this? It's the wealth that you deserve because of your efforts. It isn't what somebody else is going to give you. So retirement is about creating wealth. For some, it's leaving the state of California and then you can retire. In fact, I, I met with somebody just in the last couple of weeks and they said, Eric, we're thinking about retiring, but we're not really sure. We're 58 and 59 years old. Uh, can we retire here? I said, okay, let's take a look at your income. Let's take a look at your expenses. We went through all that. We said, okay, well, how much do you think you need each month to live? And they said, well, this is what the number is. Well, we looked at it and a big portion of that was taxes property tax, income tax. And I said, well, where are you considering retiring? They said, well, we're considering either Nevada or Texas. Well, both of those have zero income tax. Now, Texas has a little higher property tax, depending on where you live, because they're using those revenues to replace what the state was making, but you're directly accountable to those county and city guys and gals. And it's much, much better than sending the money up to Sacramento and you never see those politicians ever again and they send the money back down into your world of school district. So when I tell you you need to get involved, it's for that, especially if you move to Texas because they're going to tax you and the dollars go straight into the school district, school board. So I want you to get involved. You try to figure out where the dollars are going. You volunteer. But what does it cost to live in that state? So we do the math. We figure out what it's going to take. And from there, believe it or not, from there, you and your family could probably retire earlier. And that's what we did. We looked at the numbers. We came up with a plan. We said you could retire at 60 if you wanted. And she said, are you kidding me? I go, yeah. But you can't do it in California. Oh, what do you mean? I go, you just can't retire in California. It's impossible. Not at this age, not with this much money. Unless you're willing to downsize your house or live in an apartment, and then you're subject to rental increases. We just don't know what that's going to be. So a lot of you, as you're going through this process, you got to want to figure out, does it make sense to move out of the state? And if it does, and you can live comfortably, I want you to get involved. 
Start pushing if you can. Cameras in your school board meetings. Cameras in the classroom. Encrypted, yeah, the parents have to put in the, the, the password and the codes and right, maybe it resets every month to avoid uh, whatever. But cameras in every classroom with audio, that's the only way to go. You're going to do that to police officers. You want police and fire to have cameras for accountability purposes. Yeah, yeah, accountability for who? Right? The, the camera runs nonstop, not in a classroom. No, no, no. With the police officer when he or she is in the restroom. And the camera is on the police officer when he or she is speaking to their spouse or their significant other or having lunch or complaining about their supervisor like everybody does, you know, at one time or another. All I'm saying is no body cam for the teacher, but a camera in the classroom. Your free time as a retiree can push these kind of issues. Hey, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Thanks for being a part of the show. I'm Arif, Arif Halliday. The Total Financial Hour. We'll talk to you soon. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.